For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Lisa with Charismatic Woman, and we are on 21st Century Goddess School. I think this is week number five. And our goddess of the week is Gaia. And this this continues to be the course that just keeps on giving, because when I originally wrote this, I wasn't thinking about Gaia nearly as much or nearly in the same way as I am right now. And I think that with all of the sort of stuff that we've talked about over and over again, with kind of the political and geopolitical upheaval and everything that is going on, Gaia is front and center for a lot of us. And so many of us, and I wouldn't, I I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I was going to reexamine it, but I'm not. I think a lot of us are much more concerned about sort of the state of the planet and the state of the earth than we used to be. I, for some good reasons. I mean, we have some reasons to maybe be more aware of the fragility of that. I don't know if we should be necessarily concerned, but it's definitely up in some really specific ways. And when we talk about Gaia, excuse the chimes, I mean, Gaia wasn't necessarily exactly Mother Earth. I mean, we have given, we have kind of interchanged those two ideas, Gaia and Mother Earth, over time. However, I think it's always been particularly close. It's always been something, that a pretty good crossover. And like I said in the material last night, that I sent out or the brief little newsletter, I think that's the reason why Gaia is one of the most powerful modern or powerful goddesses there are is because she's modern day in a very real sense. We still see Gaia as a living, breathing thing because we equate her with Mother Earth. And so the goddessness of Gaia is not ancient for a lot of people. It's it's much more tangible and much more real. And I think that it, the environmental movement has really kicked that up. So, I mean, what I know for sure is that Gaia is probably, when you talk to people about goddesses, Gaia comes up in the top list of probably one to three for almost everyone because it's a prominent topic. I mean, with the environmental issues, people are developing a stronger sense of connection with the earth, which increases that connection with Gaia energy. Um, And Gaia is innately everything that is feminine in the nurturing way. And that is such a strong aspect of femininity, whether motherhood is involved or not. I mean, that nurturing femininity is really pervasive it's the one aspect of femininity I don't think that's necessarily been challenged tremendously in our culture or in most cultures. 
because motherhood is still required of it to some degree. So those are kind of opening thoughts about Gaia. I'm going to toss it over to you guys to kind of parse out or at least maybe share how you're feeling about Gaia and the concept of Gaia, given where we are in the world right now. Like what, what does Gaianess mean to you? Jackie, you're up first, of course. <laughs> um, always Earth. Um, and, and people have a, a, they always have an awareness of our dependency on the planet. Um, how much they go into the goddessness of it, like we do, you know, there are those who do and those who don't. But everybody understands that um, that she is a living, breathing entity, and that she was worshipped, you know, that and still is. That that um, long before there was science, there were people who noticed what Gaia was doing and made sense of it and, um, you know, and planted crops by her and by her rhythms and all that kind of thing. So it, it is, it's a very easy way to go into discussing goddessiness if that's, you know, if that's the aim of the conversation. But even just to stop at the earth and we as humans are indivisible and connected, and she, the goddess Gaia, is not someone we can um, take advantage of or shun for too long without consequences. Did I get dropped? No, I can hear you. Yeah, I'm always suspicious of the sudden silence, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you, Jackie. I wonder if Lisa got dropped. Must be. She doesn't look like it on the on the panel. That's right. Sky, no. Skype might have been messing around with her, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I agree. You... I mean, I think that's so um, so apropos. I mean, the um, the strength of of Gaia and uh, I mean I remember you know reading the book the Gaia Principle and that uh-huh. was the that was the thing that connected me to the understanding of the strength and the interconnectedness of everything and I think that that's kind of um, she's always been my guiding principle on everything. So listening very deeply to that Gaia principle, Gaia, um, all whole, everything, um, that the earth is alive, you know, is is really a powerful, important part of how how I live my life. And I'm sure, well, I don't know how other people live their lives, but, um, but I think that it, it would be a really nourishing, important thing for people to um, being connected with for their own psyche's health, you know. Do you also think that most people get it when we talk about the Earth as a goddess? Um, I don't know about all people. I know that women 
feel that, understand that people who have a feminine understanding of um, reality, um, I think that is, I mean, a very important understanding of um, the earth and the power and the energy and the support and that, that I don't think anything continues without that. And there's, you know, there's stuff goes on that we, um, I mean, Gaia is, is, you know, an interconnectedness of all things. And I don't know that I could ever understand all of that. So it's sort of vast to me. Yeah. 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 Oh, welcome back. Hi. I think that that question of whether or not we recognize Gaia as goddess is, or the earth as goddess is interesting. I think because of the lingo, right, we all recognize, or most people in some way recognize the earth as being feminine. I mean, mother earth, mother nature, those kinds of words have rung true. And what I was going to say before I disconnected myself somehow, I mean, the interconnectedness, I is so incredibly powerful because it is so incredibly cross-cultural. I mean, almost every culture in their, both their folklore and their sort of current modern day understanding of these kinds of things has some sort of approach at, at Gaia or Mother Earth or Mother Nature. So it's cross-cultural. It's cross I mean it's run straight through history it and it kind of has to it's the place where we live I mean the interconnectedness of humans and all things really resides within this idea of the mother which in our case is the earth so Lisa I'm curious what are your thoughts and then I'm going to call on you Janet since it looks like you finally made it too yeah <laughs> <laughs> um my thoughts are honestly like when Jackie asked that question, do you think everyone gets it? I I would say I would say no, and I and until like recently, I would put myself in that category of not really understanding understanding much about it. I still don't think I understand a lot about it. I mean, I recognize it, yes, but and I, but it's it's really interesting for me to see a lot of the young kids now like. Uh, the ages of my my younger daughter that are really cognizant of it of uh, of Mother Earth and being really respectful and um, and in the way they eat and in the way that they treat the animals and and everything and and that's just it's just not a way that I was brought up and so it is something that I'm really interested in. Yeah, I I do see it in the in I hate to use the words younger generation because that makes me feel old. But I, I do see a heightened awareness of that mm-hmm. younger people, and it makes me think about sort of the the energy of Gaia, the so sort of reemergence of this Gaia goddess energy that's coming into our cultures across the across the globe. That younger people may have an easier tendency to consider these concepts, like being respectful, being gentle, being kind, sustainability where we're having to learn it. They were just sort of born mm-hmm. with it in some way. Yes. Yes. Janet, how about yeah. you? It's, it's remo- well, I, I, I missed the 
actual question, but I have some thoughts. <laughs> what was the actual question? I mean, the question was, how are you feeling about Gaia concepts and the Mother Earth in general, given sort cool. of the climate we're in now, which is very different than it was three years ago when I wrote this? What a difference three years makes. I mean, it's right. It's totally different. Okay. The first thought I had when I was when I was reading the material and thinking about Gaia energy and all of that, the, the very first thought I had was the Victorians have a lot to answer for. <laughs> and I, I know it was not entirely fair to blame them completely, but there certainly was a Victorian sensibility, a Victorian industrial age sensibility, which said it is our God-given duty to exploit the resources of the planet. A sort of a linking of the exploiting of resources with a sort of, and I'm speaking from a, you know, the perspective of someone who was born in England and who was raised by a woman who was born in the late um, 1890s. And so she in turn was very much framed by parents who lived through that Victorian era. So there is a really strong sensibility when I was a child that God gave us this planet to do with what we will, to to be good stewards of. It was a very masculine, very patriarchal, um, and from my grandmother's perspective, it was about benevolence. You know, she was the kind of, she was a very kind woman, but it was completely within her framework of reference to think that empire was a good thing and that going out and, you know, teaching little brown babies about God was what we were supposed to do. So there's a kind of moral uh, impetus behind it, which obviously as I grew up and I realized what was really going on was that there was a certain quarter who were saying, great, I can exploit the planet and the people for my own benefit. My grandmother would have been horrified by that perspective of it. And my feeling is, having lived through that sort of swing in my own life, you know, my own worldview of, you know, when I was joking with Lisa the other day on Facebook about the fact that uh, even though Winston Churchill retired before I was born, my grandmother was such a fan of his and her political views were, were very firm and very clearly stated that I was a, I, I was a fangirl for Winston Churchill throughout my childhood because he was my prime minister, even though he'd retired before I was born. There was this sort of unquestioning thing that you'd take on as a child and as I grew up and I realised how you know the empire was a terrible thing for so many nations in the world and, and the damage it did and etc etc it swung my view really far to the left and this is my long circuitous way of saying that I think my own shift in world view reflects fairly strongly what is happening planet-wide and that is we're seeing the death throes of that dinosaur Victorian patriarchal um, worldview and it is it is kicking and screaming its way to the grave um, and it is it is being uh, I won't say pushed aside because I don't think it's pushed aside but it is being ignored I think it's being there are more and more and more people, especially as the younger generation grows up, who are saying, no, our preference is for this much more connected version of how life is. And we are withdrawing the oxygen from that old 
Victorian mentality which said there is a justification for exploiting and stripping the planet. And that's how I... Uh, and I feel that really strongly. Um, and I know there are occasions where there's a, a voice in my head that says, well, Janet, you're just being naive. But actually, I think the voice that says that is part of the old dinosaur system, the sort of remnants, the scraps left behind from my own childhood attitudes when I didn't know any better. So this is my long-winded way of saying, I think we are... Yes, there's been this massive shift, but I think that what we are seeing right now is the re-emergence of Gaia and it's almost like have you guys seen I can't remember which one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies it was <laughs> there's a there's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie where there's this female character who at the end of it she turns into a goddess and mm. as she becomes this immense literally she starts off as a human woman on the deck of a boat and then she turns into this sea goddess and she's suddenly enormous and as she grows the attempts by mere mortal male humans to hold her back they just literally fall off her that's kind of what it feels like at the moment and there are some there are some casualties happening and from the planet's perspective that's that's perfectly fine you know, there are some casualties happening in this situation and we are all pure positive energy. Any of those casualties will return to pure positive energy and in the grand cosmic scheme of things, it kind of doesn't matter, which sounds heartless and callous, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, I think there is a balance, right? And I mean, as I was pondering this last night, like how panicky I feel, about where we're at environmentally. I mean, I live with I live with younger people. I mean, my nanny is in her early 20s, Kingston is 9, it's obviously a focus of his. I mean, I hear the environment. I tend to talk about civil rights. They tend to talk about environmental issues. And mm-hmm. I I think that the reason I don't feel so panicky about this is because I have a great deal of belief in what you just said. Like mother earth is going to handle her business and there will be casualties and they may become on both sides, but she is not capable. Gaia is not capable of allowing things to fall completely out of balance. And how that happens may appear, may feel very violent. It may feel very, Mm -hmm. It may feel very destructive, but it is it, it is that destructive, constructive energy of the feminine that is really incredibly distinct, and you can't deny it. I don't think we will deny her her balance, no matter how hard we try. But we will pay the price for trying. I have absolutely no doubt. Well. Well, we've already set, set into into you know the wheels turning in in the fact that um, you know we've created this this issue with with um, you know global warming in a way climate change if you will um, and it's you know there are going to be there are changes already I mean there are many changes already and many people maybe not in uh, you know the very um you know well to do countries but in smaller areas and and you know 
around the world, there, there have been many, many consequences. Many, many people have already perished, and um, it's just going to happen. I mean, the world is going to create its own, the, you know, Gaia is going to create her own balance one way or another. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's, um, it's a human understanding necessarily of how it will happen, but it will. And it does, and it has through history, you know, through the centuries. It's taken care of itself one way or another. Uh, we've hastened it terribly, so I don't know what will happen, but, you know, one way or another. Jackie, do you want to speak to what you just brought up in chat? Yeah, I was thinking that this emergence of feminine goddess power, it's its everywhere. People are talking about it. Um, and it also linked to me in the noticing of a rape culture, the labeling of it, the seeing it for what it is. If the earth is feminine, then rape culture exists there too because the people uh-huh. who will not um, who will not honor the boundaries and resources of a human woman are certainly not going to honor the this boundary cycles resources of a feminine planet it it links to what janet said about the mm-hmm. the, the the patriarchal the victorian um that that basically everywhere i land there, there's a song in disney um colors of the wind and she says you think you own whatever land you land on and and that's exactly what it is and i think that mindset in making gaia feminine as she has always been has linked to this. If 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 Gaia had been male, perhaps she ha- wouldn't have been as exploited. Um, but this rise of femininity, um, of feminine power, and the noticing and squashing of rape culture as we when we see it, I think can only benefit um, the feminine power of Gaia as well, because we're going to see that it's another entity that cannot be raped ad nauseum without consequences again. And there must, as Janet said, there must be casualties on both sides. So yes, we will we will have trees and acreage and oceans dying, and we'll have humans dying as well, but eventually um, the, the Earth will win. It must. I, when I wrote this, I was spending quite a bit of time around Native American culture. And once again, I have been, because of some of the political stuff that I've been involved in, a tremendous amount of time with tribes and a lot of people who were at Standing Rock. And I mean, it has become sort of the bedrock of my life. And I think I thought about it when I was writing. I think about it even much more now. I mean, Native American tradition, and I imagine most Native traditions probably feel the same way, generally speaking, is that we talk a lot about interconnectedness as people, but we don't talk nearly as much about interconnectedness with other things, with animals, with trees, with what have you. And Native cultures teach that we will never be fully connected as people until we are fully connected to all that is Mother Nature, to Gaia, to the Earth. And so their practice is much more that connection to nature versus this sort of metaphysical or spiritual, we are connected as people kind of thing that some of us 
that some traditions lean into. And so I'm going to read really quickly out of the materials. Imagine for a moment a tree in your front yard was alive with consciousness and that was capable of loving you. And imagine it was radiating with consciousness that perceives your presence and your thoughts. Current science says that's a fact. It's been proven in laboratory settings over and over again. Most of us can accept that, can accept that because we feel it to be true. But then what? The next step is where the goddess magic comes in. Imagine that tree loving you and you forming a relationship with it. What might the tree be saying? What do you notice a shift in the energy when, you, when the tree feels you finally acknowledging its presence? Do you intuitively feel a shift in the dynamic when you connect? What changes when you truly grasp the world around you, all of it is completely alive with consciousness, and it's interacting with you right now despite the fact that you previously hadn't interacted with it. That is very core, like I said, in Native American tradition, probably all traditions. And as I think about that, I think there's something to the reality or the belief. I won't call it a reality. We can question it but to the belief that until we can open up to the fact that the tree is alive and we are connected and the flowers are alive and we are connected and the rocks are alive and we are connected, we may not fully be able to express or experience our connections with one another. So I'm going to toss that back at you. Um, And of course, Jackie, you are first on the list. I I agree with it wholeheartedly, and interestingly, the very first time I ever heard of this philosophy was from the Bushmen in South Africa, in Southern Africa, not South Africa. Mm. Um, They have exactly the same um, the same philosophy that there is connectedness, there is give and take. And so when you eat the fruit of the tree, you take the seeds and you put them back into the earth. When you eat the animal, you use everything you need and you put the rest back into the earth or you feed the other animals with it. Um, There is always interconnectedness. And I have always found it vaguely astonishing that people don't get that. But I think think commercialism, industrialization, all of that, the earth looked so incredibly bountiful that for a long time, we honestly thought we couldn't deplete it. Um, we're learning uh, that to our cost, and there are still ostriches who won't accept it. But one of the things that I've been most delighted in, and this may be a segue, so tell me if it is, but one of the most delighted things that I've been delighted in in studying witchcraft is the animism, the the idea that every single thing has a beingness and it can be connected with and it can be influenced and it does influence and you can wake it up and you can manipulate it uh, using that word in inverted commas you can f- focus it in a in a way that that em- embodies the good for everybody and so when i do nesting for example i talk to my furniture I talk to my walls, I talk to my pictures, and my plants always thrive. I don't necessarily have a green thumb, but my plants thrive. Um, And if they're not, then I I talk to them and move them around the nest until I find where they're supposed to be. 
but it, it's always been that case. And um, this is such a given for me that I kind of feel gently sorry for people who don't get it because there's a nuance and a, and a depth to the experience of life that I honestly think they're missing. I mean, Ellen's been to my house because so she understands I'm surrounded by trees. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we have some of the biggest trees probably in our city, in our front yard. I mean, they've been here since the dawn of time. And our neighbors think we are insane. And I've talked about it before. Like, if the storm is coming and the winds are going to be high, we are outside with our trees before the storm. We take them something, usually a nice, strong drink. <laughs> like, we, we warn them. We give them some love. We give them a little offering. We, and our neighbors, I'm sure, they think we are fat-ass fucking crazy. We have never <laughs> lost We don't lose branches. We don't have storm damage. Like, our trees do an amazing job of shielding and protecting our property, which is a philosophy that I grew up with. I mean, my grandmother was Native, so to say that the Native stuff was new to me, it really isn't. But I think as an adult, I've really grown into that. And there is a nuance and a depth and a richness that I feel sorry for other people if they don't experience that. Janet, what you about you? <laughs> This is so interesting for me. I can remember when we sort of touched on this last time around and I think, I don't know if I can, can't remember if I expressed it, but certainly I felt a bit sort of uh, confused, I guess is the best word I can come up with. But I live in a country where uh, Indigenous Australians have this really strong connection to country and it was denied them for many, many, many years. <laughs> the Victorians again um, and their predecessors, um, the settlers who arrived in the late 18th century. Um, and of course now in a modern Australia there's a, a, a mix of, there's some racism, but there's also a sort of strong sense of, look at the Indigenous Australians, isn't it wonderful how they have this connection to country? And it's, and I don't, it's not always that condescending, but there is a sense of, almost envy that Aboriginal Australians have connection to country. When they talk about country, they mean where they came from, their own their own people, their own tribe. And, uh, and many people, many Indigenous people who live in the cities will go back to country, will go back to country when they feel the need to make that reconnection. And it is very specific and it's very localised to, to, to that particular region. You know, talking to any old tree in the city is not the same as talking to the tree or the, you know, whatever in their own space. And I kind of felt like I, when this idea of connecting in a very specific and visceral way, when this came up last time around, I really felt like I didn't know how to do it. I didn't want to appropriate that kind of Indigenous Australian thing because that felt all, all kinds of wrong. It felt like appropriation. It wasn't natural to me. It wasn't part of my heritage. We moved around a lot when I was a kid, so I already and I already had that Victorian sensibility kind of drummed into me anyway. So my sense of connection to the planet was really, um, it was very floaty. It was kind of intellectual, and it was kind of, you know, I could. I could certainly meditate on, you know, feeling the love for but the room I was in and the the 
neighbourhood I was in and the state I was in and that kind of approach. But that visceral, uh, physical feet on the planet, you know, standing barefoot in the grass kind of connection was really hard for me to, to get to. Um, this time around, it's different. I've been playing with... Um, playing in my little garden which I'm, I'm not kidding is a garden bed that's <laughs> about the size of this office I'm sitting in it's really small maybe even smaller than this and some plants in pots and I talk to them I talk to them I talk to my house plants I have house plants now which I have never successfully done before because they always died these ones are staying alive <laughs> um, the the and I'm I can feel a really different sort of connection and that gives me a kind of doorway into the idea that maybe I could go out and talk to a tree. I could go out and make a connection with a tree that was already here before I got here. I could even go out and find that not far from me there are there are old forests where there are trees that are much older than I am. There aren't many around my neighbourhood. I mean there are, I can see one from my office but it's in somebody else's yard so I'm not going to jump over the fence and go and hug that tree because that would be kind of weird. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to play with this in a whole new way and to be able to say, one of the things I do want to do is see if I can find information about how my ancestors might have done this. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. How about you, Lisa? It's funny that uh, Janet just mentioned something about her ancestors because that's what's coming to mind for me is my grandmother. And um, she was raised, I think she was born in 12, 17, 12. So 1912, she was born in Portugal and she was very, very poor. And uh, she really appreciated things, you know, when she came here. And um, she was she had like her whole front yard was a garden uh, of flowers and her whole backyard was just it was fruit trees and and uh, grapevines and all kinds of vegetables it was just one huge garden back there and it was really nothing that my parents had you know any appreciation for and so and you know my grandmother was the one that talked talked to the birds and she had a ton of plants inside her house and she would have her toast in the morning and if she couldn't finish it she'd put it out the window so the birds could have it um and, you know, it was almost like, it was like she, it was kind of like people, the family would like laugh at that, you know, think it was cute and laugh at her, but n- nobody ever thought of, oh, gee, I think I'll do that. Or I wonder why she does that or anything like that. Um, and, and so, like I said before, I was never, never raised with this appreciation, but like all of a sudden I feel like this, it, it, it came over me and it wasn't anything my grandmother taught me, although I, I can remember it, but like, when my dad passed, and that's going on 23 years, um, I took a plant that was um, at the funeral parlor. I took it and I brought it home. And that plant is still living here in my house. And this is probably like the fourth house I've had. It keeps moving with us. And it's, I was just telling my kids the other day, I'm like, do you know that plant, how old that is? And they couldn't believe it. But like, so it's living. And so, and then like, and I don't have a green thumb. All I do is water it like once a week. And so since then, I'm like, I'll be out and I'll buy plants. Like, oh, that's pretty. I want it. Oh, that's pretty. I want it. And I got to find myself with all these plants in my house. And they live. 
they live. And I do. I talk to them and they're in my yoga room. And when I, I just look at them when I'm in these different poses and I just like, I really, really appreciate them. I never say anything out loud, though, if anybody's in the room with me. Um, but I do talk to them when um, when no one's home with me. Um, and um, and it's funny, too, because my grandmother and, and her birds, and specifically she loved the yellow finches. And, and I have, like, all of a sudden I have all these yellow finches in the summertime in, in my backyard that, that hang out. Um, and that will, like, you know how you get those when you have the, the birds, the annoying kind of birds that just come and poop on everything and you get those um you get an owl my husband went and got an owl at home depot and he put it on top of the um on top of the umbrella the table umbrella in the backyard and um so it was keeping those birds away and one day i i was doing dishes at the sink and i looked out and there was a yellow finch that perched herself right on top of the owl and was looking at me I'm like, this is so cool. I, I mean, I like, I feel like there is some kind of connection. That, and, and I always think of my grandmother, obviously, when that happens. But it's really cool. And I, I have, there's, I don't, I don't know how I explain it other than to that, that something is going on and it feels really good when it happens. And it feels really good, like right now when I think about it. And, um, and I do share that with, with my kids. I do. And my husband, but, um, maybe not too many other people, but so I'm learning and I'm appreciating and I really love this phone call, <laughs> this conversation. So thank you. I heard a recording by Abraham the other day and she was talking to somebody and this is only loosely connected, but I mean, she was talking to somebody whose father had passed away and all of a sudden she could see her father showing up in helping her with her career and helping her with lots of different other things. And, Esther said, you know, when, when a loved one passes, it allows us to see what we've always been connected to. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that help, that support and that guidance and that divine, you know, mentor team has always been there. But now you have a way to see it. You can see it because you feel your father's resonance in it. I mean, it kind of sounds like your Finch thing. Like that connection is always there. Your uh-huh. grandmother just you a way to channel in and be able to identify that connection very specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Ellen, you're right. It was all right, Sarah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's. Uh, I was thinking, thinking back, and I, I don't have any great, um, you know, ancestors that I know of. Um, I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Detroit, and um, and we. When I when I was young, there were just I lived in this like new housing development in Detroit, and you just walked for miles and miles. My parents never knew where I was, and um, and I always felt like that that freedom was God to me. That freedom, that that ability to um, move and be connected with nature was really the way I function best in the world. And um, um, and I do a, um, an energy movement work called Unity in Motion. I, I went into dance um, at a very early age. And, um, and that connection with earth and with movement is, um, is in the energy of the feminine energy that's 
that's around is really very palpable in the work that I do. And um, when I'm teaching or when I'm practicing, um, it's all, it's all about encompassing, um, you know, the natural world inside and outside where you are now. I'm in Southern California. It's very easy to have that inside-outside feel because it's, you know, it's rarely is it colder than, you know, 60 here. And um, <laughs> occasionally we, we get a little, little colder than that, but so you know you've got you've got loads of plants and you know all sorts of things. I mean, even though it's been a desert here, we still have loads of plants. And I was blessed with moving into a house, um, you know, quite a few years ago, twenty twenty some odd years ago, that had uh, beautiful um, trees and plants already. And um, and there's there's always that connection when I'm practicing, when I'm teaching, to just say, you know, that we are like those plants out there. Um, we, you know, the plants in nature are our, um, uh, you know, are showing us all the time what it is to be in balance. They they definitely are our guide. Um, the natural world to me is a guide, and um, always has been. And I think that um, that the Gaia and the connection is always there for our taking. I think that there are those who misunderstand that connection and they want to, you know, somehow hold on to it or, or manipulate it for their own use. And, um, and, but to be honest with you, I, I, I don't, I don't think that there's, there's any strength or any there there because, um, you know, the Gaia and the world and the energy is, constant. It's constantly um, uh, balanced and it's constantly creating balance. So um, yeah, I think that's the world that we we live in and and, um, there are many people that want to, you know, gradate that and to, you know, create create their own world based on their own minds. And, but the, but everything is going to grow and everything is going to continue. And I can see how it connects to your work, actually. When you mentioned that, it makes perfect sense. Actually, it really does. Sometimes we need to get Ellen to lead a call and talk about what she does because it's different than what most Mm -hmm. of us have played with before. But I want to take a brief moment and go through the homework. Um, form a relationship with a plant. Pick a house plant or a plant outside in your environment. Leave a gift. Talk to it. Shower it with love. Notice that every time you pass by, just like you would a person, spend some time, spend some quiet time contemplating it or contemplating 
it with trust and trust any intuitive feelings you get coming from it. Mm. Number two, get yourself a pet rock. Mm-hmm. Find yourself a stone or a crystal and carry it around with you for several days. Pray or meditate with it. Hold it in your hands and love on it and imagine and feeling it love you back. Ask your pet rock for what it has to offer you. It's been around a lot longer than you have. There's a lot of history and energy stored there. That stone has a lot of wisdom to share. Number three, ask everything in your environment to support you and make you feel more comfortable. The chair you sit in can respond. The bed you go to sleep in can lovingly cradle you. The clothes you wear can shield your body from harmful energies. They are a projection of your consciousness anyway. Why not engage everything around you with more deliberate and loving experience? Number four, start engaging with animals as equals. Ask their opinions. Talk to them intelligently. Animals are magic beings. Funny, Pugly just stuck his head up and looked at me. He's been sound asleep. Um, Pets particularly can transmute negative energies with ease and upon request. They do it naturally. Let your animals or animals around you partner with you no matter what you're up to. Number five, start noticing the wildlife around you. As you amp up your goddess energy, animals will start appearing around you because they are noticing you noticing them and noticing you loving them. And number six, be very aware of the life force energy of everything you put in your mouth. Um, so if I had to pick, and I'm going to ask you to pick, obviously number four, engaging with animals is a daily part of my gig. I'm surrounded by them inside and outside all the time. Number six, being very aware of the life force energy of my food is top of my mind right now. And that might be seasonal. I mean, maybe it's just spring, but... I'm leaning heavily back into veganism. I'm really starting to think much more consciously about the energy of the food that's going in, more so than I have in a long time. So those are the two that resonate to the top um, for me. But I ask you guys to pick. Jackie, which one stands out for you? I want everybody to do them all. I'm just curious about which one comes to the top for you. Um, I just mentioned in chat, I'm going to have a chat with my mattress tonight because she she's old and I'm certain she hates me because, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've been threatening to get a new one and I think she's missed. So I'm going <laughs> to have a chat with my mattress and see if we can just get along nicely until the new one comes. Um, and and then I need to, um, I'm also I'm also amping up awareness of the 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 vibrancy of my food um mostly because i haven't um i haven't been feeling well and i think that's part of it so it's all the energy management it's going to be part of the energy management that i'll be doing yeah i'll do them all um but my mattress and my food i think will be my most my most pressing ones okay love that janet how about you Did we lose Janet? Are you muted? Oh, yeah, by the look of it. Huh. Sorry, sorry, I muted my microphone and the stupid button wouldn't unpress. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes, I have a pet rock. I just posted about it in the chat as well. I um, uh, In July 2014, 
um, hubby and I went back to the UK for six weeks and we spent a week in the Yorkshire Dales, which is not far from where my mum comes from. She lives in Lancashire, so there's a bit of a rivalry there. But um, uh, I brought home somewhat illegally a small piece of gravel from um, one of the kind of amazing ge geological formations in, in the Yorkshire Dales, a really beautiful place. And I pocketed this this tiny piece of gravel and brought it home with me and um so I'm going to play with that I'm going to, I'm going to work with my pet rock because it's not far it's not you know in planetary in planetary geological scale it's not that far from where my ancestors come from so um I figure that will that will be pretty cool That's excellent I take rock and David used to laugh at me he doesn't anymore when you go to Hawaii, like they, it, I don't believe it's even remotely true, but they've made up a story about how you're not supposed to take rocks from the volcano zone because it's bad luck. I think they just got tired of tourists shouting off volcanic, volcanic rocks. Um, <laughs> wherever I travel, like I go out before I leave and I collect rocks from our beaches and stuff from nature here, and we leave home with a suitcase full of rocks and things, which... <laughs> I can understand why he didn't like that initially, but whenever I take something from someplace else, I leave something in return from here, and it always makes me feel better about it. So I have some lovely rocks and volcanic pieces from Hawaii that I have treasured and meditated with for a long time. Lisa, how about you? Um, I love the list, and I can see why this is your favorite homework so far. Um, but uh, something that stands out for me is number three um specifically like my clothes like so I never really like talked to my clothes or said any intentions for them and like from from last week I think I mentioned to you Lisa that I you know I went out and bought some new underwear and um and I and I am really intentional now when I look at it I admire myself in it and um uh, I'm going to do the same thing you know with my clothes now um, and it's funny because I had no trouble re reminding myself. I think the new, the new underwear was kind of like my my trigger. Like, okay, I'm going to the George grip underwear. Oh, I'm going to grab the new stuff. Then when I go to put it on, it's like, oh, this is the new stuff. Oh, I should, you know, I have to be aware and appreciate and, and, and admire myself and all that. And so now I'm thinking I should probably go buy some new clothes to do this number three with to make it even more fun. Um, but I'm going to play around with I'm going to play around with all of them. But this one really excites me. I'm going to admit something that I am only going to admit to. I thought about writing a blog post and I couldn't bring myself to admit it publicly. <laughs> My price clothing used to be about 40 bucks. Like, if it was going to be more than 40 bucks, I was going to wait for it to go on sale. <laughs> and if it was 20 bucks, I was really stoked about that. And my wardrobe, as much as we've talked about wardrobe, my wardrobe has reflected that. And fairly recently, I have, I bought some of the Trudy Miller clothing that I talked about in one of my most recent newsletters, but I've also started, I've purchased a few things from Beta Brand, which I resisted for a long time because it was expensive. Like if I'm going to buy a pair of yoga pants, which is what I thought they sold, I wasn't going to spend a hundred bucks on yoga pants. And a hundred bucks is the price point at Beta Brand. Um, Beta brand is all crowdsourced. It's all made domestically. I mean, there are no Chinese 
you know, children working on these clothes. They don't just sell yoga pants. They sell some amazing, wonderful things that live really nicely in my life. It's all very comfortable, nice-looking, multifunctional clothing. And I recently got David a pair of, of pants from David Brand or Beta Brand. And he put them on, and he's like, I totally get why you're doing this. These are happy clothes. And it made me think about what he said, the energy of the clothes. These clothes are crowdsourced, made in the States by union workers who are happy to be working, and they are adults. The energy of beta brand clothes feels better to me and to David. He picked up on it. than the energy of the $20 whatever I've been buying from wherever I've been buying it. And it was so tangible. Like my awareness, I'm fairly aware of stuff like that. And I don't like to buy stuff that's factory sourced from overseas for that reason. So I often shop retail to kind of let myself, or not retail, but resale to let myself off the hook. But when I noticed that the beta brand clothes were happy clothes, you you can feel it. You really can. It's weird. You guys, I mean, I know you don't think I'm crazy. You don't it's, think no, I'm crazy. No, it's not, it's not weird. And it's funny you say happy clothes because I have my happy socks. My son works for a, cer- a certain uh, retail company, and for Christmas I always buy all the women on my list, like maybe about 20 of them, something fun. And so I bought this three-pack of socks, and they're really cool, the colors and everything. And every time I'm, we're out at somebody's house, everybody's got the different pairs on, and I always have to travel now in my happy socks. When, I've got, when I'm going to certain games, I have to wear my happy socks, and I really feel better in them. I totally get what you mean by that. Yes. Now I'm going to buy some happy clothes. I mean, the the things, I mean, it's just like food, right? Like how food is produced carries energy. And I don't know why it never occurred to me that how clothing was made. And some clothing is made in such terrible circumstances would also carry energy. But I probably won't ever buy crappy feeling clothes again because happy clothes are so much better. Anyhow, that's my clothing thing. Ellen, which one was your favorite? Um, I'm I'm now looking at I was looking at your happy clothes. Um, <laughs> um you know, I I really like the whole idea of getting my environment to support me. I think that's a really wonderful thing. I mean, I've made some a few like gestures towards that, but I think that is really a key for me, especially in this environment where there's so much that goes on all the time that's not necessarily my own energy, um, that it becomes even more important for me to have those comfy spaces that are, you know, wrapping me with those, you know, with with loving hands. And um, and I, I really enjoy that. And, you know, I've done... I I do talk to the plants. I should talk more. Um, I have lots of rocks around, lots of crystals, lots of rocks, but um, I haven't listened to them lately. So that's an idea. Um, engaging with my my cat a little bit better um, in the last um, little time, and she's she's a lot more. She she was a very um, she, she was a very sort of wild 
thing that we adopted from the pound and um, um, these, uh, it took about a year to be able to like pet her without her like you know hurting us and, <laughs> and things but she's now um, just such a, a sweet thing and she's really trying her hardest to make that connection it's not not all that easy so I guess that's part of my work is to make that connection um, even more so. So, um, so that that sounds good. And the life force of the food. Well, we're I'm really blessed to have farmers markets around, and it is astounding how much um, how much more life there is in fresh food. And when you have people who have you know, just pick back food and, um, uh, you know, really, and we're, we're pretty much vegetarian here. Um, you know, my husband really needs to have meat in his diet because it's, it's important for him protein-wise and to have that. But for me especially, I, I don't necessarily need it. And we're, we've branched out into all sorts of different vegetables and all sorts of different things that are really exciting um, because they're in our farmer's market. So, um, so I would say that, that one of the nice things about that is to be a little bit more, um, um, you know, engaged in different, different things to see out there. And that that really improves your energy, um, your energy and your life force. So I I love that. I love it. Yeah. All right. So we're at the top of the hour. Any final thoughts or questions before we wrap up for the day? This has been a fun conversation. I like it. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So. Next week is Shakti. Ooh. And it is all about personal energy. It's Yeah, I'm just kind of cruising through it. Next week is good stuff. But I think it, this is a good time to spend some solid time with Gaia energy and really work on that connection. Like I said, considering that we can't be fully connected to each other as humans until we are fully connected to everything around us, or at least embracing that possibility. So go forth and hug some trees and talk to some rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.